Well, hello, it's Michelangelo Caruso. I'm here with the amazing Larry Wingett. We're going to talk about some things that uh, everybody does, but Larry does them in such an unusual way. We're about to knock your socks off. You're gonna need one of these, and you're gonna need something to write on, because this guy is just packed with information. How are you, Larry? I am always good. It's good to be Larry Wingett. Yeah, but it is. And how long have you been Larry Wingett? As long as I can remember. Yeah, that's all. I've, uh, I've known you for a long time, rather obliquely. It's good to have you on the call today. Let's talk about marketing. You are in the speaking business. You're also an author. I assume you do some consulting as well. Yep. Consulting, coaching, television, all of it. If you were going to use one gerund to describe yourself, ING word, what would it be? Are you coaching? Are you speaking? Are you writing? Are you pontificating? Right now, I would still say that most of what I do is speaking. Okay. And recently, you've moved from the speaking business into the, and I don't know what the best way to, I don't think there's actually a classification for this, but you're like a television entertainer now. You've moved into the commentary. I see you on news shows. Yeah. And you said that I had my own show on A&E for a few years. That came about as a result of my uh, first bestseller, Shut Up, Stop Whining and Get a Life. Uh, I tell you what works on TV is people that are interesting. And I have an interesting look. I have an interesting point of view. And when the producer for that show was looking for a host for their show, Big Spender on A&E, they were walking through an airport, saw my book, my book has an interesting cover, had an interesting title, and they said, the guy's got a look, he's got an edge, let's talk to him. They did, and uh, there's a long story that goes with that, but they liked me and booked me on that show to be their host of the show for several seasons. And then as a result of that, I started getting spinoff work as a commentator on lots of different shows from Dr. Phil several times to... Uh, Larry King, The Big Idea, Today Show, several Fox News programs, Fox Business programs. I'm on all the time. So you're brutally honest, and that's what I love about you. So I'm going to ask you some honest questions. What, you, what you're doing is not for everybody. The average motivational speaker would fail miserably with this game plan because they're not interesting. Isn't that true? Well, that's why books never sell. When you realize that people write books and get speeches and everybody looks and sounds the very same, that's why they're not working. When the average nonfiction book in America sells 250 copies a year, and that's mostly the first year to your friends, uh, it's because they can't tell the difference between you, what you write, and what you do with anybody else. I think that applies to dry cleaners, though, and hardware stores and plumbers. I think that applies across the board. Which is why I wanted to talk to you about marketing today. Uh, one other brutally honest question before we dig into the, uh, to the details here. You know, with reality television, Larry, like, there's this real thin line between laughing with people and laughing at them. Do you think people laugh at you? I don't give a damn what people do about me. That's pretty much I thought what you would say. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't care. Matter. No, I really don't care. And see, that's, I think, the difference in me and a lot of people is that if you live your life trying to make other people happy, you will miserably fail. I live my life every single day making Larry Wingett happy. And I know the things that make me happy. Now, one of the things that makes me happy is being the best at who I am and what I do and serving people, uh, serving other people well with that. So it kind of works uh, as this selfish uh, selflessness. 
uh, that when I'm really good at what I do, I like it. Yep. And when I'm really good at what I do, other people are served well by it. But if I got up every morning and say, what can I do to make everybody happy? This would never work for me and I would be miserable. Remember, if you spend your life trying to make other people happy, if you have a point of view that, that everybody goes, oh, I love that, you're never gonna be successful. The only way to have rabid fans is to be willing to have rabid enemies. And I am more than willing. Someone once said that the biggest stars in the universe, no matter what era you choose, Michael Jackson, Madonna, there's like an almost equal level of love and hate among among the population is that that's kind of true isn't it if you're going to be that appealing to people you're going to have you're going to be turning off a lot of people as well yeah absolutely and most people just aren't willing to do that i think that we live in a society <laughs> where where excuse me where everybody is trying to please others where we wake up every day and say let's make sure that everything we say is so politically correct that nobody gets offended it's ridiculous my goal every single day is to piss a whole lot of people off. <laughs> Very no, good. it really is. I wake up and I look at the memes and the things I post on social media. And if I don't make you mad, then I don't make you think. And yeah. if you're not thinking, then nobody's being served well. I want people to think because when we all start to think, that's when we grow. Can we think and feel at the same time? Somebody once said that emotion cripples rational discussion. If people are angry with you, do they really focus on what you're saying or do they turn you off? Again, I don't care what they do. <laughs> uh, so if they want to get mad and go away and have an, uh, you know, that I wrote a chapter in my new book called that we've become the United States of butthurt. And we really have people are just, so upset all the time. And if we just got the emotion out of most everything and had logical, respectful conversations, we would be better off. If yeah. people want to go all emotional, and believe me, I got a lot of emotions too. But if that's the point from which they want to argue or make their argument, then I just don't participate. The book you're talking about, I believe, is titled What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything, available at LarryWinget.com and probably most. Uh, Amazon stores is that true? every bookstore out there should have what's wrong with damn near everything and that's about the subtitle of that one is how the collapse of core values is destroying us and how to fix it I believe that's what's gone wrong is that our core values have collapsed fascinating let's talk about your book titles because they're uh, they're very unusual they all have a certain stripe and they're, they're, the titles themselves are designed to get attention share uh, share your favorite book title with us my very favorite book title is People Are Idiots and I Can Prove It. Um, but, you know, I believe that I write good books and I write great titles. Most people don't ever read the book they buy. Yeah. The, the stats just back that up. Most people never get past the first chapter. So that's yeah, right. the way it what's, works. What's so if you're wrong? writing a book that is so content heavy and you think you're going to change the world with it, you're not. They're not going to read your book. But they will read the title. And so the title needs to convey a message that connects with people, touches an emotion in people, makes them think. And so the title alone has to do them some good. So I started off with Shut Up, Stop Whining, and Get a Life. I went to You're Broke Because You Want to Be. It's called Work for a Reason. People are idiots, and I can prove it. Your kids are your own fault. Grow a pair. And then the new one, What's Wrong with Damn Near Everything. Girl Pair is your podcast too, yeah? Yeah, I call it the Girl Pair podcast. Well, what's that title come from? You know, I wrote the book Grow a Pair and that became a New York Times bestseller. But really, it's 
Grow a pair is not what's going on between your legs, it's what's going on between your ears. People need to be uh, willing to know what they believe and stand up and speak up for what they believe and that's not who we have become. What is this, uh, I think it's new, I've been around long enough to think it's new, this idea about being politically correct and saying the right thing and not offending people. Uh, it, it actually bumps up against free speech, doesn't it? Because I, I, want, I want to say something to you, but I won't say it for fear of offending you. And now my own free speech has been impaired. Are those two uh, values bumping up against each other? Absolutely. They are. And I think um, the whole idea of political correctness is the most castrating thing that's ever happened in our society because it, uh, we're not free, as you said, to say what we really want. We're only free to say what makes other people happy so they won't, as you said, butt heads back against us. And that does limit us. Now, I think that we all know the difference between saying something that is uncalled for and steps over the line and uh, hopefully, well, we're not, let me throw that away, hopefully it doesn't work anymore. M many people don't know that fine line and when to cross it and when not to cross it. I would hope that they would, but we don't any longer. But I would also hope that we realize that the very fact that what free speech means is you get to say whatever you want and my, how I feel about it shouldn't matter. I shouldn't have to curb what I say or ask you to do the same thing just so I can agree with you. It's the disagreement that makes conversation interesting. And that's what makes us think just like I've been saying, when I say something controversial enough or provocative, which means to provoke enough, that makes you think that solidifies your opinion. And it allows you to feel strongly enough about that opinion that you will speak up for it. And if I feel the same way about mine and we can have a respectful discussion, then we all win. Somehow we've gotten confused about free speech and what it really means. Uh, free speech does not mean that, you, that whenever you say something, it would be appropriate or even effective. <clears throat> I don't want to uh, date stamp our, our little uh, talk today, but why not? Let's talk about the take a knee expression, which is designed to, uh, to uh, provoke a reaction. Uh, but the timing of it is so fascinating because it's usually done at a sporting event by an, a celebrity athlete um, uh, because they know they have the camera on them. Is it a is it an effective form of advertising, an effective form of messaging? Are we talking about it? You bet. Then it's effective. Well, will it impact change, I guess, is the, you know, the end of the year. Yep. Uh, yep, one way or the other, it will impact change in some way. Because what they chose to take a knee over, and I still contend many of them don't know what they're really supposedly taking a knee over. Uh, but what they chose to take a knee over means so much to the bulk of our country that many people find that so offensive that we will pay attention to it and have a reaction to it. Right. And uh, when that is the case, yes, it's effective and it will cause change because there are two polarizing viewpoints out there. The sad thing is that everything these days is polarizing. And that we've gone to the, so far to the right and so far, far to the left that we forget that there's a middle ground out there around most things. I don't think there's a middle ground around taking a knee. I don't. But there's a middle ground around most things out there that if we would come together and have good open conversation, we could achieve much more. 
So let's stay with the marketing piece for just a minute. These uh, athletes that do take a knee are discovering that it may not be so good for their marketing uh, of what they offer teams. They become a problem for the teams because now it's noise that the team didn't have to deal with before. Uh, it's kind of a, a nice reminder that what we say isn't always appropriate. It isn't always the right time to do it, even though you have the right of free speech. Absolutely. It's an old saying, just because you got the right doesn't mean you're right. And uh, so we need to step back sometimes and also realize, especially in this case, these guys are at work. You know, there's a whole lot of things I believe and, and I say. And uh, when I go on stage and someone else is paying my way, I'm at work and I don't say those things. There are things that you believe that you can't say when you're at work. Yeah. Uh, and we think we have the right to say whatever we want to all the time. Yeah, you got that right, but it would really be stupid for your income and your career, and it wouldn't serve yourself, your bank account, or your family very well if you went out and said everything that you thought every single day about every topic. It would be dumb, as a matter of fact, to do that. And that's what we have. That's the way I look at this whole thing with the take a knee thing. You can take a knee whatever you want to. I don't care. You got the right to do it. I think that really is what free speech is about. But when you're doing it on someone else's dime, that's not right. It's interesting too about the copycat mentality and how quickly, uh, because if you if you're really a good marketer, you're original, right? You're innovative. You take some risks. But the copycat mentality is alive and well in marketing. It's so easy to steal or borrow or appropriate somebody else's marketing techniques. Uh, and then all of a sudden, everybody's doing it, right? And then it's not special anymore. Uh, That's why you kind of got to stay ahead of that, especially in my industry. I have to stay ahead of it all the time. You know, years ago, I mean, many, many years ago, I made a statement to a couple of thousand speakers that I was going to be, I was going to create a new genre of speaking and it was going to be the personality speaker because I no longer wanted to compete on content because everybody can have a little fresher content. I and I came to this conclusion because I was up for a speech against my buddy, Mark Sanborn. And I believe you know Mark. I do. And they were looking at a leadership speech and they said, well, Larry, you have eight points and he has 10 points in his speech. So Mark obviously knows more about the topic than you do. He has 10 points. We're going with him. Yeah. Uh, and he does know more about the topic, but the two points weren't it. <laughs> and, and so my decision was to make a, a conscious move from being about all about content to all about personality. I wanted people to hire me because nobody can stay ahead of me in that way. Yeah. And so the willingness to do that and to put name above title, and in my industry, that's important. And what I mean by that is this, Sylvester Stallone did Rocky and it said Rocky starring Sylvester Stallone way down here in little bitty letters. Yeah. That became such a huge hit that the next movie that came out, the poster was Sylvester Stallone starring in whatever crappy movie he was going to be in at the moment. Yeah. But his name went above title. That was my approach. I think, though, that works in whatever industry you're in. I think your marketing can be, can be elevated to the point that you've almost built a personality around the specialness of your service, the uniqueness of something you have to offer, and that goes above, we're dry cleaners, we're plumbers. Yeah, I'm a speaker. Most of us are in industries where everybody looks just alike. So what can you do to elevate some part of your business above that generic uh, commodity type thinking? 
it's hard. Like a lot of people have trouble getting outside their own skin. There's been a phrase for some time now called disruptive marketing. I'm sure you have an opinion on that. You know, I've been disrupting for a long, long time. And what we do is we look at what's going on and we give it a new catchy word. And then that becomes the current business jargon of the day. And then it'll be gone soon. And trust me, it's being said by some thought leader, which two years ago, we didn't know what a thought leader was. And now everybody calls themselves one. And what's interesting to me is most of the thought leaders that I see calling themselves a thought leader have never had an original thought. Uh, so how can you be a thought leader when you haven't had an original thought? I proudly say I'm a thought, a thought follower. I think that's much more important. You know, I've read 5,000 books in the last 35 years. I read everything. I want to know what everybody else is saying so I can position my opinions differently. And that's really what everybody should be doing in their business. Learn from who's doing it. Don't copy it, but learn and say, now what can I do to get out there just a little bit? And you don't have to be so far in front of it uh, that you scare people because different scares people, two new scares people. But if you can tweak what you do and what everybody else is doing by 10%, just 10%, that will put you far out in advance. Larry, what's next in the speaking business? What, um, is the seminar business getting cold? Is, uh, are people going to events less often because there's so much free information on the internet? Well, it's changed what we do some. And there are people who are going to the internet, and I think that's a generational change in many ways. And so people will always do that. So somebody in my industry has to have both great content on the internet so people can buy that or you're gonna be left behind. But people are not gonna stop going to meetings if they get the value. If this is all about value. Yeah. If people still see value uh, from me for their audience, then they're gonna hire me. Works the same for anybody. So what we all have to do is focus on how much value can we bring in an interesting, entertaining way that the audience can take away and use in their life and their business. And as long as we do that and get the focus off of us and focus on their value, then there'll still be lots of speakers working on stages. Great advice from Larry Wingett. His books are available at LarryWingett.com. He has a fantastic podcast called Grow a Pair. And Larry, it's been a pleasure being with you. You are never boring, my friend. I appreciate that part most of all. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. See you again. See ya.